Our reading comes from Philippians chapter 2. In your bulletin, uh, it says Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. We're not going to go all the way to 11 because we get to wait until Easter to get uh, to the beauty of 11. So we're going to read 5 through 8. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself but by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are indeed grateful for the opportunity we have this evening to pause, to remember, to reflect on our own mortality, our own weakness, our own frailty, and to look to a Savior who allowed himself to experience those very realities. I pray that as we consider your word tonight, as we consider the life and journey of Jesus, we would find ourselves drawn deeper into relationship with him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, I see in the bulletin that it says homily. What is that? Is that shorter? Shorter. Okay. (laughs) Got it. Brian, nothing? I teed you up. You had an opportunity. All right. So if uh, passages of Scripture... If we were to think of those as, as mountain ranges and some of our favorite passages of Scripture being peaks within those mountain ranges, this would be one of the grandest uh, peaks of all. And, and I know that, that, you know, we could probably say that about a number of other passages and pastors you have probably heard say, this is my favorite passage of Scripture. This indeed, I'm being honest when I say, is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because of how rich it is. And because of how significant it is, not only um, for us, but for those uh, to whom this letter was written when it was first uh, written. And this is going to be our theme passage for the next 40 days, for the season uh, of Lent. And and when you hear that, it's it's probably easy to just want to check out and say, okay, if you're preaching on this same passage of Scripture... For the next six weeks, that I'm like I'll come this coming Sunday to hear it, but then after that, I'm not like I won't be there. But you have to know that already, um, most pastors only have like two or three sermons that they just keep preaching over and over. So we're really we're already there. Um, you can continue to come uh, through the season of Lent. We will have other uh, pieces of scripture that we are going to look at, but this this is going to undergird. Um, our our entire uh, series, our entire season of Lent, uh, because what it's going to challenge us to consider and invite us to lean into is the humility of Jesus. And and this piece of scripture highlights that in ways that uh, that we we don't really see uh, many other places in scripture. Uh, so tonight on this Ash, Ash Wednesday, we do, we do begin uh, the season of Lent. And, and as Patty said uh, in her wel- welcome, uh, Lent is meant to be a season of preparation uh, for us. It's an opportunity for us not only to examine our lives held up next to the life of Jesus, uh, to consider our lives and, uh, next to the life of Christ. And, and what we're told, uh, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that for those of us who know Jesus, we are actually meant to become more and more like him as we, as we journey with him. So 
how are we in that journey? What does our life look like held up next to the life of Jesus? So it's an opportunity for us to, con to consider that. Um, but it's also an opportunity for us to consider the suffering of Christ and to consider the manner in which he took on weakness, to look at our own weakness and our own frailty and to acknowledge that. Because when we, when we fail to acknowledge that, that is one of the greatest hindrances that we have in becoming more like Jesus. When we pretend and we act like we have it all together, we are, we are much less likely to receive the grace and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that is going to root out those things that are going to keep us from experiencing the fullness of life with Christ. And so it's an opportunity for us to acknowledge. And it's also a chance for us over this season, over the next 40 days, to consider what are those things in our lives that we might be clinging too tightly to? Or, or what are the things in our lives that maybe we've made idols out of? or that rob our attention, or that steal our time? Or maybe, what are some of those good gifts that God has given us that we might be willing for the next 40 days to let go of in order that we might experience something better, in order that we might focus on the one who is best? In a world uh, bent towards self, it's no wonder that in the wisdom of our church fathers, and the wisdom of those who, who oriented the church calendar, the liturgical calendar, uh, to use a, a fancy church word, to orient that calendar with Jesus at the center of it, did so so that every year we would continue to walk through the rhythm of life or a rhythm of life in which, in which Jesus is, is at the center. Every year we're invited this time of year to identify with the suffering of Christ so that we might come face to face with our own weakness, our own brokenness, to take an honest look at the myriad of ways that we try to cover up that weakness and that we try to cover up that brokenness in our own lives and to acknowledge the fact that that just leaves us more desperate for the thing that, that Christ is offering to us. See, Jesus took on weakness so that we might find strength. He took on brokenness so that we might be made whole. I heard a pastor say that Lent allows us to remember and it allows us to prepare. It allows us to recognize our own journey from sin and death into life and love with Jesus. He went on to say in talking about life's critical moments, the critical occurrences in life, it isn't that we forget them, it's that we fail to remember them. Think about that. Think about the major events that have happened in your lifetime. Not in your life, but major events that have happened in the world. I'm, I realize I'm somewhat dating myself here, but if I were to say, I remember when the space shuttle Challenger uh, blew up after liftoff. And, and I remember being in my fifth grade class in, in Mrs. McFadden's room. And I remember watching that on the television and having no framework with which to understand what had just happened as a 10-year-old. And that's not something I think about on a daily basis. But if you were to name that thing, I can tell you exactly where I was. If you were to name that event, I can tell you exactly where I was. And, and for many of you, I can remember hearing my parents talk about the day that JFK was assassinated. They, they remember exactly where they were, knew exactly what they were doing when that news came or when the 
the attacks at 9-11 happened. That was four days before my, my wedding. I remember exactly where I was and what was going through my mind. And I don't think about that every day. But when I consider that moment, I remember exactly what I was feeling. Many of us have those things, those occurrences, those moments in time that we can orient ourselves toward, not because we think of them often, but because they are so significant. You haven't forgotten them, but just because you haven't forgotten them doesn't mean that you have, haven't failed to remember them. It isn't until you're asked. It isn't until someone says, where were you when? Or what were you doing when? It's often the case for us with Lent. It's an invitation for us to avoid failing to remember what Jesus was willing to experience on our behalf. Instead, to be brought face to face with the one who was willing to become weak so that in your own weakness you might find hope. And so our, our prayer for, for you, our prayer for all of us, is that as we journey through these next 40 days, we would use this as an opportunity to keep ourselves from forgetting the significance of who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished and what it means that Jesus entered the world in the manner in which he did. In, in Paul's letter here to the church in Philippi, when he describes Jesus in verse 5, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. The, the words there describing Jesus' very nature, it's not a description of outward appearance, as if to look at Jesus you have an idea of, of what God looks like. It's not like looking at, at someone's child and, and based on that, having at least maybe a general idea of what their parents or, or what that, that child's mother or that child's father might look like. It's not a word that's used to describe outward appearance. Rather, it's a word used to describe the essence of something, that which makes that thing what it is, the very nature of something. Think about the weight and, and the power that this statement must have carried in the first century. To say that Jesus has the, the, the unique and very identical qualities that make God, God. That Jesus possesses those. Jesus is the very substance of God. Jesus Christ is in very being God. And, and the true weight of this is found in the second part of these words that, that Paul captures here. That he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Other translations might say something to be grasped. And, and the word there that's used there to describe that grasping is a word that's meant to describe holding on to something. It's not telling us that Jesus didn't think it was worth pursuing this because Jesus was already this, in very essence, God. And so the significance of saying that Jesus didn't think that that was worth clinging to. Jesus didn't think that that was worth hanging on to. The words that Paul is writing here are really words that Paul is quoting. It's believed that this was an early hymn or an early uh, or a confession of, of the early church, an affirmation of what they believed. 
and to consider the time in which Paul wrote the letters that he wrote, this existed even before that. In order for Paul to be able to refer to this, in order for Paul to be able to quote these words, this early hymn, if you will, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus, who was transcendent over all of creation, Jesus, who the author of Hebrews says, through whom everything was created, everything came to have its being. Very early on in the life of the church, they understood that Jesus was willing to surrender that, that Jesus was willing to let go, if you will, Now, we often think of the beginning of someone's life as being as exciting as it is and as much fanfare as, as there is around the birth, the entrance of a new life into the world. We, we understand that as being the starting point and that, and, and that the hope and, and the prayer and all of the, the dreams of, of that child's parents that, that are wrapped up in that moment are, are dreams of who that child will go on to become what that child will go on to accomplish. So, so in reality, that's kind of the, the low point, if you will. And everything that, that, that will happen after that is exciting and it's worth looking ahead to. And that tends to be the, the way that we live and the way that we're conditioned to think about this world and our own lives in it. That there should always be more. There's always something else to chase. There's always something else to grasp. There's meant to be an excelling that happens, a growing from where you are. But what Paul is naming here and what he's calling attention to and what we see play out in the life of Jesus is that the starting point, the, those early moments when, when Mary would have been trying to, to quiet and comfort a crying child, from there it was, in a sense, downward mobility. That Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider that worth holding on to, yet took on the nature of a servant. Downward, downward, downward. To the point then that he would even wash the feet of his disciples, wash the feet of the men who would betray him, eventually find himself serving humanity by going to the cross, not shortcutting any portion of that journey along the way. The 40 days of Lent for us are meant to mirror the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness when he fasted, when he knew what it was to go without, and then when he was tempted by the enemy who came to him and challenged him and dared him and gave him the opportunity to shortcut the journey, to elevate himself rather than continue on that downward mobility that would lead to the cross. But Jesus chose not to shortcut any of that process. Instead, he chose to humble himself. He didn't take the bait. He didn't take the stones and turn them to bread. He didn't shortcut the cross. He didn't bow down before the enemy so that all of the kingdoms of the world would be his. Instead, he humbled himself. He allowed himself to experience the weight of our sin. He allowed himself to experience 
the sting of death. He allowed himself to experience separation from the Father because of our sinfulness. And what we will celebrate in six weeks, what we will remember is that in his resurrection, though as a man he would subject himself to the powers of this world, though he would subject himself to the influences of this world, though he would subject himself to the will of other people, as it were, he would ultimately triumph over these powers. He would ultimately overcome them. And in doing so, in the finality of his resurrection, he would set free the rest of us who find ourselves subjected to the powers of this world. And this for us is good news. And the fact that Jesus was still, in fact, God. Even though he let go of that right, he let go of what that would mean, allowed himself to experience the downward mobility of serving humanity because it was the heart of the Father. The fact that he never ceased to be ought to change the way that we look at our own futures. It ought to change the way that we look at our own lives. It ought to change the way that we feel about the struggles that we face right now. And friends, over this season of Lent, we're invited to do just that, to come face to face with what is hindering our ability to experience that which Christ makes possible, to be willing to let go of, to release, as I said, even some things that perhaps are good for something that is better so that we might experience more fully what it means that Jesus humbled himself. And when we hear the words that Jesus speaks in Matthew 11, the invitation as we journey through this season of Lent, for all who are weary, all who are heavy laden to come to him, we hear the words of someone who knows what it is to experience weariness, who knows what it is to experience being heavy laden and burdened that we might find freedom, that we might find rest for our souls even in this journey of Lent. And so we're invited to journey together. And each week over the course of Lent, each Sunday we'll consider not only the humility of Jesus, but what that might mean for us in our, our lives, but what it might mean for who we are invited to be in the world around us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.